today my message for you is going to be looking through scenarios, looking through situations and beginning to see things differently. All I have for you today is good news. All I have for you today is great news about what Easter means, what resurrection is all about, why it impacts our lives. So let's get into this. Uh, You ready to go? Let's do it. Let's grab our Bibles. Uh, If you don't have a Bible today, raise your hand. We'll bring one to you. That makes it a lot easier. If you're not familiar with the Bible, raise your hand because I'll give you the page number on where to go. If you are brand new to us today, I just want to welcome you. I want you to feel comfortable here. Uh, Maybe some of you are familiar with church, and so this is semi-normal. Some of you are here only because family asked you, and it's weird. I get that. All right? There's not a lot of times when we ask you as a non-singer to sing out loud in front of a whole bunch of people. That's weird. Okay? That's kind of a churchy thing. So, so far we made you pretty uncomfortable. Now you get to sit back a little bit and kind of engage a little bit with the Bible. And so that's what we're going to do. Take out the handout sheet that was given to you at the front door and we can fire. So today's message I entitled getting traction in trials because I don't think I need to reiterate for you that we're in a difficult time in our economy, right? I mean, that's pretty obvious. Yeah. Um, in my uh, in my life, I've recently been getting into different news radio things. Normally, I'm a sports talk guy. And recently on XM radio, I, I kind of tuned back and forth between Fox News, CNN, and headline news. That basically means bad news, worse news, and horrible news, right? And so I just kind of click back and forth and go, hey, that's funny, I'm depressed. Oh, look, I'm depressed again. Oh, I'm depressed again. Then I happened to eight months ago, and I want you to think about the timing of this. Eight months ago, I got involved in looking at the stock market. (laughs) All right? So awesome timing. That's kind of my life. So I got excited about looking at the stock market and just went, oh, look, it always has a downward trend. That's interesting. Now, obviously, things are messed up around us, and and we can either look at those and just go, oh my gosh, everything's falling apart, God doesn't care, Jesus isn't on the throne, or we can look at them in a completely different mindset. As I was going through the store the other day, I looked over at the magazine rack, and I noticed the cover of Time magazine. It had a big red button on it that said, Reset. And it was talking about our economy. It's like somebody just slammed the reset button, and everything pulled back. And now they're trying to look at it and say, wait a second, is there some positive in this? Will it begin to re-rack some industries? Will it begin to bring the housing market back to where it actually needed to be? Will it take away some of that inflated pricing? They were looking at it a little bit different. Our job as seeing it from a biblical standpoint is to look even deeper than that and say, what is going on in reality? Not just what we can see. I got a fill in the blank there on your sheet in front of you. I just want to begin with, because I believe that in times of trouble, there's also tremendous amounts of hope and we got to look beyond. So let me give the fill in the blank. It's this. Our troubles are not the sum total of us. Our troubles are not the sum total of us. What do I mean? I mean that when we're doing good, We have a tendency to put all of our identity in our surroundings. Gentlemen, we mostly wrestle with the problem of making what we do who we are, right? We're really into our occupation. When you lose a job, you think in some way that impacts your value as a man. Incorrect. God determines your value as a man. 
Whether or not you lose your job does not dictate whether you're valuable. You are valuable, period, regardless of what you do for a living. Ladies, some of your challenges are whether or not your significant relationships are going well. But no one else is allowed to tell you who you are. In God's economy, you are precious enough to die for. And regardless if all your relationships are going well, you're still a princess to God. And you need to allow that to soak into your heart and to know that the world cannot change that status. That is who you are. So we're going to dive into two passages of Scripture rather rapidly this morning. So why don't you turn to the first one with me? It's 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. That's in the New Testament, almost all the way to the right in your Bible. However, for those of you that got a Bible, it's page 857, 857, so you can kind of follow along, read through it with me, make sure I'm not lying, right? 857, that I don't add stuff in there, stuff like, and God saith, Lance is cool. No, I, I'm not, if I say something like that, you can know it's clearly not in Scripture. Page 857, 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3, we're just going to go through verse 9. And it begins a little bit with a power-packed first line. Uh, Peter is writing. He said this. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Praise. That means, and now he commands us, we must lift up uh, uh, praise to God, have a high view of him, and begin to see him differently. Who? The God, praise be to God and the Father of our personalized, our Lord Jesus Christ. Triple word score, right? You got the Lord Jesus Christ. What does that mean? Lord, right off the bat means he's boss. He's the sovereign ruler. He runs the universe. He's the boss of us. If he's not, he better be. Lord Jesus. What does Jesus speak to? It speaks to the fact that God became flesh and hung out with us. Jesus was his human name, his human nature, to where he walked with us and experienced trial, tribulation, trouble, to where he can say, listen, I get it, I've been there. But then there's the last word, Christ. Christ means Messiah, the one that everyone was waiting for, the one that said he would come and be near the needy, the one that would come and defend the oppressed. Our Lord Jesus Christ He's the one that resurrected on Easter Sunday. And that makes all the difference in the world. Would you pray with me for the word this morning? Heavenly Father, we thank you again to be able to gather together as a, as a, a family and begin to study your word and examine what it is that you want to tell us. But Lord, there's no way we're really going to figure this out on our own. It's certainly not going to come through any teacher. It's got to come from you directly. So we pray right now, Lord, that you would open up our eyes to see the world differently, to understand what it is that you have before us, and to change because of it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, for in his great mercy. What was his motive? Mercy. Mercy is concerned with the condition of the individual you're referring to. What does that mean? It means God looked down and said, my kids are messed up. Everything is screwed up down here. And I'm not okay leaving it like that. 
I will do something about their condition. God is not removed. God is concerned with where you're at right now. God is watching all of it. Just because he does not act does not mean he is not concerned. He will act on the most important things. He will allow things that you don't think he should allow, but he knows better than we do. In his great mercy, this extreme mercy of being concerned for his creation, it motivated him to do something, right? In his great mercy, he has given us new birth. That means everything's new. It all starts differently. Whole different worldview, whole different perspective. A new birth into a living hope. If you have Jesus today, you have hope, period. Into a living hope through the resurrection when Jesus came back alive. The resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Now, what do we do with this? What, do, what are we talking about? Well, we got to begin at the very basic core, right? We can't just move on and go, hey, we have hope. Everything will be just fine. No, unless you know Christ, that is actually is not the case. So let's start it out. John 14, 6, Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really knew me, you'd know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him. You have seen him. Jesus is God. Let me make one thing very clear. Nobody's getting into heaven with any stain of something less than perfect. No sin, no garbage, no touch of anything, no pollution can be on you to head into heaven. You go, well, then I'm doomed. And we would be. But there's a guy who does that kind of laundry, right? That's Jesus. So unless you go to him, let him cleanse you, clean you up. No, you're absolutely right. We do not have hope. But in him, we have absolute hope, a living hope, a hope that we walk with every day. A hope that makes all our situations seem different, right? Because it's real. I'm not a guy that's into manipulation. I'm not a guy that's into somebody trying to puff something up that's not legit. Just tell me the facts. Just tell me what's true. Either Jesus is who he said he was and rose from the dead or he didn't, period. Either we are going to heaven or we're not. If Jesus didn't raise from the dead, man, I'm an idiot, Right. I mean, it's, that's the fact of the matter. But I've staked my whole life, my whole afterlife on the fact that he did. And I'm here to tell you, I am more than convinced. I know it to be true. So what does it mean for us? Interesting. Jesus said to his friends in John eleven twenty five, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies. Well, that's kind of a messed up phrase. Well, obviously, I'm not living if I'm dying. He said, no, no, no. In the important ways, you're fine. The other stuff, yeah, it's going to be hard. Nobody likes to die. Of course not. He said, but that's what happens when you guys say no to me. The world spins into chaos and death enters the world. That obviously was not what I wanted. However, I will make sure to do all the heavy lifting. I will take care of everything that's important. But there are still consequences to what's going on. But you will live even though you die. And then he said, whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? He said. 
It's interesting. We have to allow it to soak down as to whether we believe it or not. There's a weird story in scripture uh, where Jesus does a healing miracle. Jesus did a bunch of healings, but this one was very unusual. It was unusual because every other time in scripture... When Jesus would heal someone, they'd just be healed. That's it. Either they'd go do something and be instantly healed, but they were healed fully and completely and moved on with their life. But not this time. Jesus touches a guy's eyes that is blind and says, what do you see? And the guy says, I see like walking trees moving around. He couldn't see fully clear. It's the only time that happened. Jesus touched him again. He could see pure and clear. And he moved on. What was that all about? I have no idea, but I do know how it applies to us because here's the interesting thing. Jesus has touched some of our eyes and yet we still just don't get it. We still just don't see. We're walking around and everything seems totally mixed up. We're still looking at our circumstance. We're still allowing our life to dictate our joy. We're not seeing it the way that he sees it. We don't have that clarity. Do we need a fresh touch of Christ today? Where he says, remember what I told you. Do you see it now? And things begin to get sharpened. The images clear up. Maybe. It all begins with the gospel. So, here's the gospel. God comes down out of love. Comes here on earth, becomes flesh, engages with us. Shows us a concrete example of who God is. Lives a perfect life being born a baby. You remember the Christmas story? We're good with that one. He lives a sinless life for a very specific purpose. At the end of his ministry, he dies on the cross for our sins in absolute humiliation. Takes all the hit of the sins of the world from God dies, is buried on the third day, the day we're celebrating right now, in the early morning, he rises again. In front of everybody, he goes up to heaven and he says, I'm coming back for you. That's the gospel. Now, what does it mean for you? It means for you the same thing it means for me. I have not done real hot with my life. Okay, I make mistakes, I'm constantly putting garbage in there, I'm adding on stuff that doesn't need to be there, and I'm doing things rather poorly. As confident as I am in my ability to make good decisions, I'm really lousy. Along the way, I'm gathering up all this garbage, and Jesus said, hey, real quick, I live my life perfect. Can we switch? Can we trade? Because I I did mine absolutely excellent to where it's pleasing to God. You want to switch? I'll switch with you right now. And he does a reversal, a substitution. That's what's on the table before you. You say, well, how do I take a part in that? Is it easy? Depends on what you mean by easy. You mean, is it simple? Yes. Is it easy? Absolutely not. Why? Because you got to give up the reins of your life. Is that easy? You got to finally set your gun down and raise your hand. Quit shooting at God. You got to start getting out of the way and saying, I'm not doing this super well. It's all yours and slide your whole life over to God and quit living for you and start living for him. There is this repentance that comes in where you look backwards at all the times you've hurt people, all the times you've offended God, all the times that you've done all these terrible things that no one knows about in your own head. And you start realizing what it means. And this sorrow comes over you. 
And then you're ready to slide it over to God. And Jesus goes, thank you. I took all the hits for that. Can I have that, please? Great. Let's move it out of the way. Now, you're ready to begin again. That's what's on the table before you. When that occurs, and I got to suggest, if you have never engaged with God, I can't imagine living one more day without him. So I want to encourage you today. This has got to be the day. What an incredible day to have hope, to all of a sudden have all this weight lifted off your chest. Incredible. But it also means something for those of you that have already done that. So what does it mean for us? Let's keep going through the passage. It says... He has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance. An inheritance, what's that mean? It means that when you do that, you're now adopted into the family of God and we got new rules, rights, privileges, and blessings. Not just in the future in heaven, but right here, right now. We now operate with a totally different mindset. Into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. It is kept. The word in Greek means guarded. It is guarded in heaven for you. No one can rip that off from you. No one can step in. I don't care if it's Satan or another person. No one can steal your joy. They don't have that right. They can't steal your hope. That's locked down in heaven. That's God's business. That's not their business. They can't take that from you. Kept in heaven for you who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time until we're rescued. In this, he said, you greatly rejoice. Are you rejoicing? Is there any joy here? Right? Or is it old news? In this, you greatly rejoice. That word is an intensified meaning of you are continually exuberantly happy and it's not based on circumstance you're not looking at the waves you're looking at jesus and when you look at jesus and keep your eyes fixed on him he keeps reminding you with those reassuring eyes everything's fine no it doesn't matter what happens to the economy no it doesn't matter what you do for a living no it doesn't matter who lets you down i'm here with you you're fine right is that is that is that true Do we greatly rejoice in that? Do we have our joy? Though now for a little while, he said, for a season, you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. Ah, getting traction in trials. How do you do it? You look through them. That's not all of you. Sometimes we get so excited when we do well, and sometimes when we're doing terrible, that becomes our identity. Right? I'm, woe is me. Everything's going bad for me. Every conversation starts with this whole negativity of, you know what? Everything's horrible. Hold on a second. Are you saved? Then why exactly is that your identity? No, 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 that's not your identity. You are fine. All the important stuff is nailed down. You have a platform on which to stand with joy. But we forget that, right? We just need to be reminded sometimes. That's kind of what today is all about. These trials now take on a different perspective. Now they're no longer what shapes you. They are just something that occurs. These have come so that your faith, that's believing something that you can't see, your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may be proved genuine 
and result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Right? Reset. Get a whole different perspective. And now all of a sudden, the trials that you go through, you go through and all of a sudden, there's praise in two different directions. When you go through hard times with Christ and you show the world that you're looking deep through it, not the plastic smile that you think you got to put on for some bogus Christian subculture, that kind of stuff drives me crazy, right? I don't like that. Where all of a sudden we think we're going to give God a bad name if we frown, or we think that in some way we're going to smear his name because we don't always have that, hey, I'm happy all the time. That's not realistic. But when you have a settled joy, a settled peace, to where you can look at your neighbor and they say, man, everything's falling apart on you. How are you doing? You can look through and you can go, all's well with my soul. I can tell you that. And they go, but what about the fact that you lost your job and how are you going to pay your bills? You're going to say, I have no idea. So why are you still, I mean, you're, you're still smiling. Some days, yeah. Because God's got everything else covered. This stuff is not the total of me. That's the Christian response. He said, though you have not seen him, and we, and we can't see Jesus, right? That's kind of one of the weird things, right? Not right now. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Even though you don't see him now, you believe in him. And you are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. For you are receiving the goal of your faith, the salvation of your souls. When you have Christ, nothing else can rock you. Why? Because there's a peace there. I have my Lord and I'm all right. Turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. 2 Corinthians, go back to the left in your Bible. 2 Corinthians 4, 8, verse 8, uh, page 818, 818. Just one last short few bit of verses here to encourage you this morning. 2 Corinthians 4, 8 through 18, page 818. Now, Paul is talking about the fact that he suffers for being a Christian and being a minister and a leader. But I think we can apply it to our current situation. I don't think that's out of line. He said, as a Christian, this is his perspective. Meaning he and his team. You ready? We are hard pressed. That means we are being smushed down with pressure on every side, but we are not crushed. We are perplexed. Yeah, we feel lost sometimes, but we are not in despair. We are persecuted, we are hunted down, but we have not abandoned. We've never been deserted. We are struck down, like with a weapon or in a wrestling match. We've been taken down, but we are not destroyed. Do you understand the world can do nothing to you except get you closer to Jesus? What are they going to do, kill you? Oh, closer to Jesus. That was Paul's perspective. He's like, what do you got? You got nothing. You bring it. What do you got? You going to kill me? Fine. Whether I live or die, doesn't matter to me. I'm moving on. He just had a whole different worldview. And that's the view we got to adopt. We'll skip down to verse 16. Check this out. Therefore, he said, because of all the stuff that God's done, we do not lose heart. Trouble should not derail you. We do not lose heart, though outwardly we're wasting away, yet inwardly we're being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles, you're like, oh, Paul obviously doesn't know what I'm going through. <laughs> Have you ever studied what Paul went through? Have you ever been stoned multiple times to the point of death, beaten with rods, shipwrecked? Is that your life? Okay, until you can outdo Paul, he's allowed to talk. 
You understand what I'm saying? He's like, light and momentary. You're like, Paul, they threw rocks at your head until you almost died. Light and momentary. I'm moving on. That's not it on me. That's not the sum total of me. I got something much better than that. Our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. That descriptor in Greek suggests that it's out of proportion, unable to be exaggerated. Bigger than you can ever imagine. So, verse 18, what do we do? We fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary. What is unseen is eternal. We walk differently. We think differently. So for those of you that do not know Christ, this is the offer of Easter. For those of you that have never made this personal interaction with God, do not go one day further without making that commitment in your heart. Well, what do I do, Lance? Do I got to jump through hoops and everything? You got to do it right now in your heart because this is not about impressing me. What do I know? This is about engaging with God in your heart and making the life change, right? Now, Christians, those of you that are already have this walk and we're not living like the walk matters, there's even another step. And I got a challenge for you as we walk out of here today. Comes from a really, really weird story in the Old Testament, right? Give you one freaky story in the New Testament. I'll give you one from the Old, right? Second Kings chapter six and seven says this. Israel's at war with another nation, the Aramites. Aramites have surrounded the city of Samaria. That's the Israelite city. And they laid siege to it. What is a siege? A siege means you shut everything down. Don't let any supplies in and out. Basically starve people out until they give up and open their doors. That's what was going on. It was such a difficult, horrific scenario. They had reduced themselves to cannibalism. That's how bad it was. In that heinousness, four lepers got a brilliant idea. They're like, we're lepers. Right? We're going to die either from our disease, we're going to die here starving to death, or we can go give ourselves up to the enemy and see if they'll spare us. Either way, we're going to die. What do we care? We're going all for it. They sneak out of the town, they go into the enemy camp that's been surrounding them for a long time, and guess what they find? The enemy's gone. Absolutely vanished. And you're like, what? All their stuff is there, all their food is there, all the treasures that they've taken along the way, all that's there, sitting there, waiting for somebody, no enemy in sight. You can imagine how fired up they are, right? Oh my gosh, look at all this food, there's stuff in their faces, and they're trying to high-five each other, but they're lovers. So anyway, it doesn't work out, <laughs> right? <laughs> that's a leprosy joke, you don't get a lot of those, all right? They're all excited, and then all of a sudden, one leper gets this idea, and he goes, oh, hey, guys, hold up, hold up, hold up, what are we doing? They're like, I'm eating. What are you doing? This is exciting, right? This isn't right. No, this is really right, dude. I love this. This is everything we've been waiting for. He says, but don't you get it? Everybody else is starving, and we're feeding our face, and these people are starving to death. This isn't right. We got to go home. No, come on. Really? Yeah, really. All right, you guys finish up. Let's go. They head back and they say, hey, the enemy's gone. 
Now, what happened? God actually came in with the sound of his angels, scared the enemy away. They thought a whole new army had come in to attack them, and they all ran away and fled and left everything. God handled all the important stuff. They walked back to the city and said, the enemy's gone. You want to? They're like, no, he's not. Go check it out. And they went out, and the city was saved. While everyone else is suffering out there in this world, having pain and difficulty and feeling lost and feeling still in bondage, feeling still locked up in their cities. We are here as Christians sitting in peace and in joy. Unacceptable. It's not about you anymore. Why are we not sharing the fact that the enemy's been defeated by God? And we begin to bring them a message of hope and bring them a message of joy. Amen. Let's close in prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for today. Thank you, Lord, for uh, challenging us, encouraging us, reminding us of the glorious things that you have accomplished on our behalf. That today we sit in absolute peace in our hearts, in our souls, knowing that you have done all the heavy lifting, done all that was necessary to set us free. We now embrace that message, allow it to transform our view and take it out into the world to let the world know that the enemy has been defeated. Lord, would you allow the hope to fill our lives? In Jesus name we pray. Amen.